Are you ready for the word today? I'm ready to go. Don't be looking at me with them judgmental eyes, Minister Joanne. Father, we thank God and praise you for this opportunity and word. We thank you that our preacher and teacher will not be with the Tyson words of man's wisdom. All of you and none of me, I decrease that you may increase. Father, continue to move up and down each and every uh, airway. Touch each and every household. Touch each and every person, each and every life who will hear this word. Father, there is no, no distance in the spirit. There is no distance in the spirit. We decree and declare that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. Every tongue rose against them in judgment. We condemn and find to be in the wrong. But we've cast all of our cares under you, Father, because we know that you care for us. And we refuse to pick it up again. And Father, we give you glory, honor, and praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, yes, sir, he told me to say this to you. Many people ask the question, why do you call, why is the church called Ignite? Why is the church called Ignite? I'm going, he said, I'm going to share this with you, and then we're going to jump into where it is he told me to go this morning. The reason why this church is called Ignite is based off of 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, and this is talking about the Apostle Paul. And he's talking to, to his, his, young, uh, his young pastor, Timothy. And Timothy, the pastor, is under distress. And Timothy, the pastor, is under fear. And Timothy, the pastor, is under his is, is dismayed, and Timothy the pastor is crying, and Paul is writing this letter to Timothy to put Timothy in remembrance. He's putting Timothy back in remembrance of the things that Timothy, based off of the situation and circumstances, because people are coming against him. People in the church were coming against him. People outside the church were coming against him. And Paul was writing this letter to Timothy to put him back into remembrance of the things that he was already said and spoken over him. And the reason why it's called Ignite is because sometimes people let their wood burn out because of all the situations and circumstances that are going on in their life. And our responsibility is to rekindle the fire that was once in them. So you might be that individual who you might have been on fire for God for a long, 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 long time. And all of a sudden, something happened to you in church or something happened to you in this situation. Or you went through a divorce or you had an abortion or you went through this or you went through that. And you you was once hot on fire for God. And then you allowed your situations and circumstances to cloud in on you, to, to, to surround you and to smother that fire that used to be. And then God said, I got an answer for that problem. I'm going to ignite you again, but I need somebody who's, who will be willing to do it my way. And that's why he sent us. Whole purpose is to rekindle the fire within you to do what? To get back to doing what it is God called you to do. And it's what, what's gonna be with lay persons. It will be with pastors. It will be a, with prophets, evangelists, teachers. It doesn't matter who you are. It's going to be for those who have been backslidden. 
who turned around and walked away from God because of whatever happened in their life, whatever happened in the church. It's the funniest thing I've ever, ever heard of. People don't come to church because they're offended because of church folk. But I ain't seen that joker. That same joker will go to work and a boss will treat them like garbage and they ain't quit yet. What's the difference? They see one is beneficial and one is not. They put more prize on what it is the boss is able to provide for them than what it is the body of Christ is able to provide for them. So why are we called Ignite? I'm going to read it and let you see for yourself. I'm reading out the Amplified Version, starting verse 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. And Paul, an apostle, a special messenger of Christ, Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy. So this is Paul writing to Timothy. He says, Timothy, my beloved child, grace, favor, spiritual blessing, mercy, and heart peace from God and the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. So what does he, what's the first thing he's doing? He is saluting him. He is exhorting him. He is putting him back in remembrance of who it is he is. First of all, you're my child. Second of all, grace and peace from God, our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ be to you. He says, I thank God whom I worship with a pure conscience in the spirit of my fathers when without ceasing I remember you night and day in my prayers. So what is Timothy, what is Paul doing concerning Timothy? He's covering Timothy in prayer. He's covering Timothy in prayer. What do we do concerning you all? We cover you in prayer. When? Night and day. When? Every time your name comes up, if your name flashes across my across my eyes or your, your face flashes up, it, I start praying for you. I don't call Minister Jew in and ask her, hey, have you heard from so-and-so? Or we'll check on you. We'll send you a message. Hey, what's going on? Is everything good? How you doing? Now, most people don't want nobody to know what's going on. We'll be like, I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Don't be deep. If your name or face is flashing, we already know something's going on. You don't have to say anything, and we just start praying for you. <clears throat> now, he says, he says, he says, I, in the spirit of my fathers, when without ceasing, I remember you night and day in my prayers, which means he's praying for you. And when, as I recall your tears, I yearn to see you so that I may be so that I may be filled with joy. So Timothy is crying. But he's a pastor. Why would he cry? Because a pastor is a human being just like you. It's flesh and blood just like you. They are anointed to stand behind the desk. But when you step outside of this desk, guess what? Can I give you a news flash? A pastor goes through the same trials, tribulation, and situation that you go through. Why? In fact, he, brought, he or she may go through it more because if I can cut the head off, I've affected the whole body. Continuing. What is Paul doing? I'm calling up memories of your sincere and unqualified faith, the learning of your entire personality of God in Christ in absolute trust and confidence in his power. 
wisdom and, and goodness, a faith that first lived permanently in the hearts of your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am fully persuaded dwells in you. What is Paul doing? He's bringing back Timothy back to the remembrance of who Timothy is, who he is, your situation, your circumstances, the test, trial, and tribulation did not change who you are unless you take your eyes off of what it is God is saying about you and focus more on your situation and circumstance than you are focusing it on him. And so many people are doing that today. All you hear about is about what's going on here and what this person is saying and what that person is saying. And even if I send something out to you about a situation that's going on, you, I will not just send you out what's going on. I will tell you, and this is your response to it. I don't just tell you this situation is going on, panic. No, we say, hey, this is what they're trying to do, but this is what our response is going to be. And this is the action. There's always an action behind it. And this is what Paul was telling Timothy. Timothy, hey, look, man. Hey, 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 come on. Come on, baby. Come on, come on, come on. I know, I know. I know what they're saying about you. I know what they're coming against you. I know it hurts. I know, I know. But this is what I'm going to put you back in remembrance to who it is God has said you are. I'm going to let you know you are still my child. Can I tell y'all something? I had a conversation with my mama. I told my mother something the other day. I hadn't told my mother, and this situation happened when I was still in high school, my senior year in high school. I had never told my mother about this situation. And I was having a conversation with her. And it, was, it, was, it had something to do with my biological father before he died. A conversation him and I had that was a harsh, bitter conversation I had with him before he died. And guess what? I was never able to apologize for it. And the next time I heard about him, guess what? He died. Imagine that. You're a senior in high school. You have this bitter conversation with your relative. And before you have an opportunity to apologize, that person dies. The adversary tormented me with that for years. So I'm bombarded. I'm like Timothy, it's coming and I can't shake it. I don't know how to get out of it. Then I get born again for real, for real. But I'm still bombarded because I don't realize that it's the adversary who's, who's bombarding their thoughts. It's, it's, it's like a loop. I got this fixed pattern of thinking in my mind. And now I'm not, in the conversations and strife, but I'm doing it from the position of, I don't ever want that situation to happen again. It's, it's, it's not in faith, it was in fear. So I'm, having this, so I'm having this conversation with my mom and something happened and it was a conversation I never had with my mom. My mom and I are, are usually 100, but this particular time she was tired or something like that, but she was snappy. So I just shut down and didn't say anything. And I was about to walk away because I know if I stay, I might say something. And I said, you know, it's better for me just to walk away. And I told her, I said, I'm not gonna respond. I'm just gonna walk away. And when I started to walk away, I started to cry. My mother grabbed me by my arms and said, hey, hey, don't walk, don't, don't walk, don't leave it like that. Don't leave it like that. And 
she starts talking to me. She's apologizing. Hey, I'm not, I'm sorry. This is what's going on. And I'm, I'm like, mom, I'm not upset with you. I'm just upset the fact that we even have this conversation. And at that moment, the curtain came down. Cause she couldn't understand why I was upset. Why would we just walk? Why, why was I upset? And I would like to say I kept all my cool points and didn't lose it, but I broke down crying in front of my mama because I don't like to have conversations like that because when I was in high school and I, she never knew, and I told her the conversation I had with my dad. And at that moment, God went down on the inside and that, that pain, that hurt, he removed. Can I tell you what my mama did? My mama did the exact same thing that Paul did. She wrapped her arms around and said, you will always be my child. I love you. That's what she kept saying. I love you. I love you. I'm crying to my mother. It's the first time. She never knew all those years that just laid dormant. Guess what happened? When she allowed God to use her, it uprooted that situation. That's what Paul is doing with Timothy. He's there, he's writing his letter to, Paul, to Timothy to put Timothy back in remembrance to who Timothy is. He also goes and he says, I wanna remind you. And he says, he goes in verse six, he says, he says, I'm telling you all these things about your faith, about the faith that's in your grandmother, about the faith that's in your mother. And I'm fully persuaded that that faith also dwells in you. That is why I would remind you to do what? Stir up, rekindle the embers of, and fan the flames and keep burning the gracious gift of God, the inner fire that is in you by means of the land on your hands, which those of the elders at your ordination. He's telling him to stir up the gift. What is he also telling him? To reignite. Ignite. I'm here to ignite you. I'm telling you how to ignite. I'm igniting you. I'm igniting you. I'm igniting you. So you will rekindle the flame, rekindle the fire of the gift of God that's on the inside of you. Why is he telling him? What else does he tell him? He says, for God did not give you a spirit of timidity, of, of cowardice, of craving, of cringing, a fraining fear, but he has given you a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a calm and well-balanced mind, and discipline and self-control. So all, so all this time we've been reading this letter, God did not give me the spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sign of the, the, the reason why Paul said that to Timothy was because Timothy at the time was cowarding. He was backing down. He became timid because of all the pressure that was going on around him. Paul had to put him back in remembrance. That's why we're here. To kill the spirit of religion and put you back in remembrance of who it is God said you are according to his word. People think that when it comes to prophecy that we are anti-prophet. Some people say that. Well, I know that you're not really into that prophecy thing. That's not true. There's a balance. What we teach people is you got to have a balance. 
some people are so far off that they, they, they have no balance. Some people, either, you, you get people either one or two spheres. Some people don't believe any, any prophecy at all. Some people who live their whole life based off of prophecy and they have no balance to, to judge or anything. And they will get offended if you say something about it. It's my job as a pastor to feed you with knowledge and with understanding. And if you then give you the opportunity to make a decision, what you gonna do with it? You can get mad at me, get mad at me. First of all, I'm gonna save you some time. I'm gonna tell you with the greatest amount of love. If you get mad at me, I'll pray for you. But I don't lose any sleep. I don't go, oh Lord, someone's so mad at me. But I just told him what you told me to tell him, Daddy. He says, so why are you concerned about whether they're mad at you or not? I tell you, if telling you the truth makes you mad at me, but it saves your life, it's worth it. But for me not to tell you the truth, just so I could be cool with you and your life gets busted and disgusted to the point you can't be trusted, I, I, I'm not taking that to my grave. I'm not taking that to the, I ain't taking it home with me today. I'm going to tell you the truth, no matter what. Well, that may, the, people will come against you. So people might even persecute you. And people may not follow you. And I learned this about, I learned this about social media. You can give somebody a life-changing word and get three likes. Or I could put a half-naked woman on the, on the screen gyrating and she get a million followers. Which one you think added value to their life? So that's why you can't be moved by, but people like, they don't like, so what? Everybody didn't like Jesus. What? Yeah, everybody didn't like Jesus. Most of the people who didn't like Jesus were, were religious because he messed up their flow. I want to do it this way, but Jesus is coming with this new thing and he's messing up my flow. It's not about you. It's not even about me. It's all about him. So why are we called Ignite? Because our, our responsibility is to rekindle the fire and those who have let their fire go out. To stir you up. To bring, help you stir you back up. So that when you, to teach you how to stir yourself back up, to put yourself back in remembrance and help you to understand that God was not the one who gave you the spirit of timidity or fear. But he gave you a spirit of power, of love, and a sound and well-disciplined mind. Who gave it to you? God did. Who gave it to you? God did. Who gave it to you? God did. Do y'all see that? So when y'all say, welcome to Ignite, when y'all say, welcome to Ignite, say, welcome to the rekindling. He gonna fire us up today. He gonna, put, he gonna stir up the gift of God on it. Teach us how to stir up the gift of God on us today. That's why it's called Ignite. So if somebody asked the question, there you go. Because I said, Lord, Ignite? Okay. Hallelujah. You, you know more than me. But the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good titles unto the meek. 
He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captain and open to the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, and to comfort all who mourn. And to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And they shall build the old waste, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolation of many generations. God told me to tell you, don't be deceived. Jesus said it, and, and he said, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Matthew chapter 24, verse 4 says, Jesus said to his disciples, be careful that no one misleads you, deceiving you and leading you into error. In order to ignite, Paul did not give Timothy his opinion. Paul only spoke back to Timothy what God had already said to Paul about Timothy before. He did not give Timothy his opinion. He only said what had already been revealed about Timothy before. He, Timothy was already, he grew up in faith from his grandmother to his mother, and he was fully persuaded that it was in Timothy Two, Timothy was just going through a situation test and trial. But God said, he's telling him, Timothy, he didn't say, did, now, now did you read, this? yes sir, did you read where it said that Paul prayed to God and asked God to do, to do something about the devil or the people or the oppression that was coming against Timothy? Was that Timothy's, was that his main issue? Was it the fact that people was coming against them or uh, the fact that how Timothy responded to when people was coming against him? If he dealt with the people but never dealt with the issue that's going on on the inside of Timothy, Timothy's going to be back in that same position again. That's why I'm telling you, if you keep trying to pray off everything and never deal with what's going on on the inside of you, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be back in that same situation again. Because you still got the same problem. You still got the same issue. And you can, you can lead this church today. God bless you, the blood of Jesus. I'll hug you at the door and go to somebody else's church. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You're going to have the same problem when you get there. You can go to brothers, pray them right. Sisters, hey, I drive, I drop you off. But I'm telling you, when you get there, you're going to have the same problem because the same issue still remains on the inside of you. Wow. So Jesus is saying, don't be deceived. He says that no one misleads you deceiving you and leading you into error. God, if I was to give this, this we're starting a new series and the type of the, the name of this series is what's done in the dark. What's done in the dark. And what we're gonna do today, we're gonna expose the elephant in the room. We're exposing the elephant in the room. Now people in the body of Christ have been notorious in, well, in the church today have been notorious to talk about all the things that is causing them not 
causing this to happen in their life, causing that to happen in their life, causing this, that, and the other. And what they're, what they're missing is the fact that the kingdom of God is on the inside of them. God's kingdom is on the inside of them. And this, but this is what the father told me to share with you this morning. I'm just gonna give you the introduction of it this morning. God says this, he says, my people, we're exposing an elephant in the room. He says, my people are destroyed. I used to think that, that word destroyed just means demolished, torn down, broken down. But if you go back and look at it in the, in the Hebrew and in the, in the, in the Strong's uh, Concordance, one of the definitions of, of that word destroyed is brought to silence. My people are brought to silence for their lack of knowledge because you have rejected. Now that word rejected means you have despised, you have refused, and you have cast away knowledge. So it wasn't the fact that they did not have any knowledge, it's just they, the knowledge that they was receiving, they despised it, they refused it, and they cast it away. And he says, and I, God's response is, and I will also cast you away from being my priest. He's talking to the priest, since you have forgotten the law or the, the, the teachings and instructions of God. So you, people are being destroyed. God said, he's talking about his people. He's talking about church folk. He says, my people are being destroyed, not because of everything that's going on on the outside of them, but they're being destroyed and brought to silence because of their lack of knowledge. Because you have made a conscious decision to despise it, to refuse it, and to cast it away. Well, that's not everybody. Well, let me see. You are one individual and you don't necessarily believe everything that you read about the word. Oh, that, that, was, old, that, that was then, that's not now. That's not applicable to today. So my people, are destroyed for what? Lack of knowledge. Did it say that God was holding any knowledge back from them? So the Hebrew word for, for um, destroyed is Dhamma, D-A-M-A-H. And it says to be dumb or silent. Can't make this up people. So when the church gets silent, when the church gets silent about situations or how to respond is because of their lack of knowledge. And it's not because the knowledge has not been provided to them, but they are despising it. They're refusing it. They're casting it away.
God told me to share this with you as well. He says, who he loves, he, he, why, why would you take a Sunday morning to bring this out about the exposing the elephant in the room? He says, because who the, who the Lord loves, he, he corrects. Who the Lord loves, he corrects. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. I'm reading out a Passion Translation for sake of time. It says this. And have you forgotten his encouraging words spoken to you as his children? He says, my child, don't underestimate the value of the discipline and training of the Lord or get depressed when he has to correct you. For the Lord's training of your life is the evidence of his faithful love. And when he draws you to himself, it proves you are his delightful child. Fully embrace God's correction as part of your training. For he is doing what any loving father does for his children. For who has ever heard of a child who never had to be corrected? Did it say it didn't? I'm, and you said, well, how does God correct? How does he correct? It said, if you're saying my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because they have refused, cast off, and despise my knowledge, and you're saying who the Lord, the reason why you're sharing this with us, exposing the elephant in the room, is because God loves me, because whom the Father loves, he corrects. How does he do it? I'm glad you asked that question. Second Timothy chapter three answers it. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16 says this. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God or woman of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. How does God correct through his word? God corrects you using his word. God does not correct you with sickness and disease. God does not correct you with poverty and lack. God corrects you with his word. You want to know how he does, how he corrects you though? Anybody interested? Anybody want to know how I do it? I'm going to tell you anyway, so you might as well say, yeah. This is, this, is what this is how he does it. This is what God does it. When he, when he begins to correct you, what does he do? He gives you pastors after his own heart. He'll give you a pastor after his own heart. Jeremiah chapter 3, 15. He says this, he says, then I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you on knowledge and understanding. What was happening to Jeremiah 3.15? How was the people being destroyed? For their lack of knowledge. How is God going to correct you? With his word. What's the vehicle he's going to use to do it with? Through pastors after his own heart. Why? What's the, what's the qualifier there? What, what's the distinguishing factor? After his own heart which means they're going to do it his way. 
You said, give, give man, that's one example. Give me another. Oh, I'm, I'm going to give you one that you're really familiar with. Psalms 23. Psalms 23 says this. Verse one, I'm reading out of the Amplified. The Lord is my shepherd to feed, guide, and shield me. I shall not lack. He makes me lie down in fresh, green, tender grass pastures. He leads me beside the still and restful waters. He refreshes and restores my life, myself. He leads me in the path of righteousness, uprightness, and right standing with him, not for my earning it, but for his name's sake. Yes, though I walk through the deep, sunless valley of the shadow of death, I will fear or dread no evil. Why? For you, Lord, are with me. Your rod to protect, your staff to guide, they comfort me. So even when you're going in the midst of test trials and tribulations, you're not in the valley by yourself because the Lord goes with you. What does he do? He leads you, he guides you, he protects you. He leads you, guides you, and protects you. I know, boy, messing up all your religion, it? killing that Elsie the cow just got shot. I see it. Why does God use his word to correct? Why does God use his word to correct? Because in accordance to Psalms 119 and 105, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet, is a light to my path. When he's leading you, when he's guiding you, he's gonna lead and guide you according to his word. He's gonna lead and guide you according to his word. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And what is one, one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to lead and guide you into all truth. So if you're being destroyed for lack of knowledge and you have the Holy Spirit who's on the inside of you, what's he there to do? To lead and guide you into all truth. God's going to correct you with his word. Well, how's he going to do it? He's going to give you passage out of his own heart, which will feed you with knowledge and with understanding so that you can be able to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only so you don't deceive yourself. So stop blaming your troubles for your troubles. Troubles come to everybody. It's not the fact that you won't have troubles. It's what do you do? How do you respond when the trouble comes? Who are you following after? He also says this in, in Psalms 119, 130. He says, the unfolding of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. So when you begin to get into God's word and allow God's word to get on the inside of you, it brings revelation to what's going on. When Paul is talking to Timothy and Timothy is thinking, his, his, he's responding to all these things this way because of everything that's going on on the outside in. No, 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 no. God doesn't work from the outside in. God works from the inside out. God does not work from the outside in. You don't have to get a sign. Lord, if you just give me a sign from the outside, because can, can I tell you something? If you said, Lord, 
If I, if you open up that door, then that must be you. The devil will open up a door for you too. And you will think it's God. And you will go down that door and it'll look, it'll look rosy. It'll look beautiful until you realize there's storms and it's, it's fake gold. And you realize you are off. Gideon asked for a fleece because he didn't have the Holy Spirit within. If you ask for a fleece today, you more, more than likely you're going to get fleeced. God does not lead by fleeces. God leads you by the Holy Spirit according to his word. You said, give me one more proof, one more proof. I'm going to give it to you. Psalms 119, 133 says, establish my footsteps in your word. Establish, order my, or another way of saying it, order my steps according to your word and do not let me any iniquity have dominion over me. How does God lead? By his word. How does the Holy Spirit lead you? By the word. When it says, when it says in Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the spirit of God, they have become the sons of God. He's going to lead you according to his word. Even if you get a word, somebody says, I got a word from you from the Lord. If it's your first time ever hearing it, put it on the shelf. Get before God. Father, this is what they're saying. What do you say? The only way you're going to be able to be led by the word, you have to get into the word. God does not lead from the outside in. God leads from the inside out. He leads you by your spirit, not by your head, by your spirit, not by your head, by your spirit, not by your head. But why doesn't God lead me by my, my head or my mind, will, and emotions, because that's where the adversary tries to deceive you with. God is a spirit. And according to John 4, 24, God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. How does he lead you? By the Holy Spirit. Is a pastor the only way that God leads you? No. You have apostles, you have prophets, and you have evangelists and teachers. But your main instruction is, but apostle, unless they're a pastor, is not going to be your main source. A prophet, if they're not your main, if they're not the, your pastor, is not your main source. Let me, let me ask you a question. Just, just, just take all the spiritual side of it out. You live... Your children live in your house, right? But your neighbor down the street is the one who's directing your children on what to do in your house. How many y'all going for that? How many gonna, how many y'all gonna say if you want to go live if you want to do what Bobby's dad is telling you, then go live with Bobby's dad. But as long as you live in my house, you're gonna follow my rules. Is that most of y'all, all y'all parents? Then why is it that only in the body of Christ have I ever seen this? 
you are, God positions you in one house, but you let your a relative in your body, but not in your house, direct you on how you're supposed to act in your house. Hello. Is anybody else other than me? Like that makes absolutely no sense at all. But people do it every day. I go to so-and-so church. Yep. But so-and-so said this, so I'm going to go with what they said. Then go to so-and-so's church. That doesn't make any sense. I'm not even talking about our house. I'm not saying that's what's going on in our house. I'm just saying, I, see, I hear talk to pastors, and you hear this stuff all the time. And like, it makes no sense. God already knew everything that was going to be in the house he put you into. He already knew their, their strengths. He knew their weaknesses. He knew your strengths. He knew your weaknesses. They there to provide something to you. You're there to provide something for, to them. But you can't come operate in another man's house based off of something you heard in a house across the street, around the corner, in another province, in another nation. You are out of order. And you are not, you're, it's not even so much as an offense to the pastor, you, you schizophrenic. What's schizophrenic? You got all kinds of voices. You hear all kinds of voices. And when you're in trouble, you need, to hear, you need to know how to hear one voice, and that's the voice of the Holy Spirit. Which, if you have a pastor, it might sound a whole lot like your pastor. Or if you're married, it might sound a whole lot like your spouse. Are you listening to me? I mean, better yet, are you listening to the Holy Spirit? I don't care if you get upset with me. Like I told you, my job is to give, feed you with knowledge with, and understanding. What you do with it is completely up to you. But God says, I'm exposing the elephant in the room because my people are, are, are so externally driven that they don't realize that I don't work outside in. I work inside out. Where's the kingdom of God at? It's in you. So how's he gonna lead you according to the kingdom of God? from the inside out. He gives you the word on the inside. You operate, you say what he says, the kingdom in you of God that's in you comes out, affects everything around you. If you are looking at everything that's around you and you're responding to everything around you, you're responding to the wrong thing. That's not how God operates. That's not how God operates. Do you ignore what's going on? No, but what you see is not really what's going on. I'll give you a prime example, and this is where we're going to close. Earlier this week, they, they reintroduced the bill, Bill C-4. And Bill C-4 is, 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 a, redo, is a redo of B, Bill C-6 that fell in Parliament last year or earlier this year. So, But this is what they did. They call it B4, Bill C4, and Bill C4 is even more stringent than Bill C6. See, in Bill C6, you weren't supposed to provide conversion therapy 
to children or to try to help them uh, if they if they have unwanted same-sex desires, you as a parent or a counselor or a pastor weren't supposed to give them, try to offer any assistance to them that might change them from what it is that they want, even though its basic definition is it's unwanted same-sex desire. You're not supposed to do it. Well, it wasn't enough just to try to say it for the children. Then Bill C-4 talks about you, you're not even supposed to do it when it comes to adults either. So what's the, what we would say, well, man, that's, that's crazy. That makes absolutely no sense unless you understand the, the, what the agenda behind it. If you get silent on, it's, an, it's a direct attack on your family. People don't look at it like that. It's a spirit of perversion. Less than 2% of all Canadians, less than 2% of all Canadians identify with LGBTQ, LMNOP, GIF, whatever they want to call. And they're, and they're trying to add it. There's another group that's trying to be added to it. It's called pedo, pedosexuals. You know what those are called? Those pedosexuals are? Pedophiles. They started with lesbian, they started with gay, they started with transgender, then they call, they call themselves queer. Now, back in the day, if you call somebody queer, it was a hate crime. Now, if I talk about you having a same-sex attraction, then I'm a, homo, I'm, a, I'm a homophobe. But if I talk to you, if you talk to me about, about the fact that I'm a brown man and everything, then that's not racism. That's not hate. It's the same spirit. It's a spirit of division. The underlying current of that is a spirit of division. And the church is silent on it because the church is looking at the symptoms. It's the underlying current is, is, is a spirit of division to divide you. The other thing it's gonna do is try to get you to be silent, to put you into fear. Cause you're afraid if I say something, then they gonna put me in a jail. We just have an awesome prison ministry. But if you don't tell people the truth, people stay in bondage. Now, am I for conversion therapy? Cause there are some conversion therapy methods that they use, it's horrendous. But to say a person can't even get help when they want help, I'm, I'm going to tell you all day and tomorrow. I'm telling you right here. If you come to Ignite or you call me and ask me for help, I'm going to help you. Amen. No matter what. Amen. I'm going to help you no matter what. Amen. Jesus is Lord in this house. Amen. The, the other disturbing part about it was, is this is why we was telling you that government officials don't is not your solution to this problem. This week, everybody was gonna vote for, for uh, Minister O'Toole, Honorable O'Toole, who was over the Conservative Party. Who's, who, who, the Conservative Party is the party that all the other parties say are pro-life. You know what they did. They had a meeting before 
before the vote and to save his own job, his own skin. He basically told them in that meeting that this is how we're going to side. You want to know why he told them that? Because he's trying to keep a campaign promise that he moved from the right, trying to move closer to the center and move further to the left and said he would not try to come, he would not, not try to stop that. So when they had the, when they came up in the house this week, the conservative party and all the other parties, because everybody, everybody in the joint expected the conservative party to push back. And he didn't. In fact, you can watch it on YouTube. They're hugging it, hugging, high-fiving, kissing each other. Have I had meetings with Mr. O'Toole? Yes. Do I tell him what I'm telling you? When they ask me, yes. So what I'm telling you is exposing an elephant in a room expose, is you cannot expect your government to fix it. You, you are the deciding factor because you represent the kingdom of God. And, you're, and the whole thing is to change ideologies. Do we hate people who are in those lifestyles? No, a hundred times no. Absolutely not. No, 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 no. Got people in my family, family who talk about that stuff who practice that lifestyle, are we, are we against them? No, love them to life. But if they ask me, I'm gonna say what well, thus says the Lord. And they know this, but I say it in love, not hate. I say it in love, not fear. We're gonna tell people the truth because we love them, not because we're afraid of anybody. And we're not gonna be silent, not because we're afraid of, because. We're not gonna be silent because if we be silent, our gospel will be here to those who are lost. So you heard it from me. You don't have to, you don't, have, you, can, you can clip this, you can put it, I don't care what you do with it. I'm telling you, we are not gonna be silent. Are we not gonna be silent on just this issue or on any issue that, that goes against the word of God? I don't argue about a whole bunch of stuff, but if you're talking about, if you say something about this, and you ask me, I'm going to give you what the word says, no matter what. Because it's not going to stop with this. They got something else that's right behind this, dealing with abortion. If you're a charitable organization, registered charitable organization, and you don't sign off that says you agree with, with the government's practice on a, our position on abortion, they can check your charity status. Do you know the only reason why most people have a charity status is one, so they don't have to pay taxes and two, because people won't give unless they get a receipt. Let it not once be said, that's the way to be at Ignite. We give because we love God. I don't even, I don't, can't remember the last time I ever even put anything on my, taxes about what I gave. Why? Because the government is not my source. God is. So I'm just telling you, is it something against the people? No, I'm just telling you as a church, you got to wake up. 
Let God's word be your guiding force. And we're exposing the elephant in the, in the room. And the elephant in the room is people are being destroyed are made solid because of their lack of knowledge. And it's not because the word is not available, but they've rejected it. The word is telling you to say this, and you're not saying it. The word is telling you to do this, and you're refusing to do it. It's not the devil. The devil gets credit for a whole lot of stuff that Joker didn't do. He does a lot, but he don't do everything. I know. I know. Calm yourselves down, in Jesus' name. Why are we telling you this? Because Bill C-4 is not law. It still got to go through parliament. I mean, it still got to go through the Senate. And they sit and they already know that when it gets to the Senate, they're going to get pushed back. They already know. They said this. On, they said this. They know that a lot of legal fights is going to come as a result of them trying to pass this bill. Your prime minister is trying to get it done by Christmas. Not on my watch. We binded it up in the name of Jesus. We cast it down. It stalls. It dies. It dries up on the vine. Because the reason why is because they're trying to criminalize it. Not because something shouldn't be done about people doing conversion therapy. But when you try to criminalize people for trying to help people the right way, are you trying to appease a small group and make the, the, everybody else uncomfortable? Nah, no, no, no boss. I, you might as well park outside because we'll be doing this dance every week because we won't be silent. What God shows me a secret, I'm gonna speak from the housetop. What God shows you a secret, he told me to tell you, don't be afraid. But speak the word only, not your opinion. Speak the word only, not your political position. Speak the word only, not somebody else's medical report. Speak the word only. Speak the word only. Speak the word only. That's why people are being defeated. Lack of knowledge of the word. Now, you got knowledge about everything else. You can't quote three scriptures and tell me where it's at. God says, speak his word only. So welcome to what, what's done in the dark. This is, this is volume one, exposing the elephant in the room. Elephant in the room is people being destroyed for lack of knowledge. But you know what? God loves us so much, he sent his son Jesus to give us an opportunity to turn that situation around. So it don't matter what your situation is right now. God is giving you, he loves you. He loves you. In fact, I remember I told you, who the Lord loves, he corrects, and he does it through his word. He doesn't do it through hate, because God is love. There is no hate in him. He loves you. He loves you so much that he sent the son Jesus to die for you. So you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, or you made Jesus the Lord of your life, but you have not been walking in right relationship with him or walking in fellowship with him. I'd like to give you an opportunity to do that with me this morning for praying this prayer after me. Say it out of your mouth and mean it from your heart. In the name of Jesus. Say, dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I do believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died for me on the cross and carried my sins for me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. 
I return, I repent of sin. I'm sorry, Lord. I receive your offer of forgiveness. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I receive your love right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Someone asked a question, I just heard it. Why would you, why would you say all this on a Sunday morning, even about Bill C4? Because the same Jesus that died for me died for them. I don't hate Prime Minister Trudeau, don't know the guy. I don't hate Minister Tool. I don't agree with them, but it doesn't mean I hate him. And the father told me, whom he loves, he uses his word to correct. So who we love, we use God's word to correct. It's not about hate. Don't hate anybody. Even though they might try to persecute and hate on me, it's not going to make me hate them. I'm motivated by his love for them because I know the end result of that lifestyle is death. The end of that lifestyle is death. So on behalf of Minister Jewin and the entire Ignite Nation, I want to thank you for joining us this morning. Remember, what's done in the dark and what we have done today is we exposed the elephant in the room. People are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Getting God's word. We'll see you next week. God bless you. Bye.